Today is Epiphany Sunday. It's the day that we traditionally uh, recognize the, the wise men who traveled to Bethlehem to visit the Christ child, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So thank you for being here today. Uh, if you're a visitor, this is your first time, or perhaps first time in a long time. We ask that you fill out one of the connect cards that are on the back of the pews. You can uh, fill that out and place it in the offering plate or you can take it by the Welcome Center, or you can hand it to one of the staff. So, but thank you for, for being here. If you're watching online, there's information there that uh, to contact the church. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to uh, know you and to pray for you and help you in any way that we can. So if you would just contact uh, the church. A couple of things I want to just share this morning. Uh, this past week, our church has been the uh, host of... Uh, some guests that have been spending the night in our fellowship hall, and uh, the ministry is called To Our House. It's a community ministry, and our church has been involved with it for, for some time. And uh, uh, Susan Madison and Ray Stell have headed up that uh, ministry uh, for us, and I was told over 50 volunteers helped in some form or fashion in ministering to, to the folks that came this week. So just wanted to share that with you. That's an important ministry of our church and this community uh, to people who some are uh, really need some, some help, and we are glad that we're able to do that. The second thing I want to share with you is that next week we're going to start a worship and discipleship emphasis uh, called Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. It's going to be a five-week uh, event. Uh, each worship service, uh, the focus is going to be on one of the five practices. They're listed here uh, on the front of your uh, bulletin insert. Radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking missions and service, and extravagant uh, generosity. But also, we're going to have small groups. And we have six uh, groups uh, on Sunday morning at 945 uh, that are going to be participating in that study. If you're not part of a life group, this would be a good time to, uh, to join a, a life group. Uh, you can see that the names of the groups and the room numbers they're in. It'll start at 945. But also we're going to have uh, three home groups meeting during the week on Sunday afternoon at 2. Chow Shang is going to be leading a group at his home. And then also uh, on Mondays at 7, Pat Graves is going to be a host, and I will be uh, leading that, that group. And then on Thursday, Suzanne Hicks is going to host a group at 2.30, and Diane Jones Freeman uh, will be leading that group. Uh, you don't need to register for the groups that are meeting on Sunday morning, but we ask that you go online to churchonmain.church, sign ups, and sign up for one of the home groups if you're going to come uh, to those so we can have an idea of how many uh, people are going to come. But hope that you'll uh, participate uh, in the worship and in the, in the study as well. Well, let's have a prayer, shall we? Oh God, just as you revealed yourself to the Magi from the East 2,000 years ago, we ask that you reveal yourself to us today in the life of Jesus, whose epiphany we celebrate. Just as your light shone in Bethlehem, may your light shine in us and through us that we might become a light to our community and to the world, beacons of truth and compassion and demonstrating deeds of justice and mercy. So, Lord, we ask that you receive our worship 
for we offer it in the name of Jesus, who is indeed the light of the world and whose light dispels all darkness. Amen. Let's pray. Precious God, we thank you so much for bringing us here together today, for the sunshine outside, and for a place where we know that you are here and that you are with us always. God, we ask right now that you just calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus our thoughts on you and that whatever we need to hear from you in this, in this message we're about to hear, that those words will speak to us and resonate with us and stay with us. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Having a little microphone trouble this morning, so yeah, having microphone trouble this morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> that was not exactly what I wanted to do, but it's still what I'm going to do because my microphone is giving trouble. We've got some new equipment ordered that's supposed to be here by Thursday, and hopefully that's going to take care of these problems that we have. But in the meantime, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming to join us and be part of our service today. Thank you for coming and, and investing your time and, your, and your, 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 your faith as we gather in this place. This is Epiphany Sunday. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2. Hear these words. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all his chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back the word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is a story that we have heard many times if you grew up in the church, but it is a story that is still important to us today. This is the first Sunday of a new year and the first Sunday of Epiphany. Most evangelical preachers don't preach on this story on this day. They may cover it during the course of the, of the Christmas season, but most of them 
focus on the new year because most evangelical churches don't follow the liturgical calendars, which means they wouldn't be talking about Epiphany today. We focus on the liturgical calendar here a lot more than most evangelical churches, and so we're focusing today on the coming of the wise men because this story is just like the Christmas story. It's always new, it's always fresh, it always has something to teach us in the process of this. It can teach us something that's beneficial for the new year that's going to come to us. And that's what we're trying to do today. We're, we're trying to look at this story with an eye toward the future because that's exactly what the wise men were doing themselves. Those wise men came to Bethlehem because they recognized the importance of that new star that was shining in the western sky. That star was a sign that the future was going to be different. And the reason they recognized that different star was because they were, they were prepared to recognize it. Those men had studied the prophecies of the Hebrew people and, and they were astrologers. They studied the stars all the time. They knew that something different was occurring. They knew from their studies that change was coming. The future was going to be different. The future was going to be better. The wise men prepared themselves ahead of time for that epiphany that they were seeing. So when that light started shining, they not only recognized it, but they chose to invest in it. They knew that light meant the hope of the world had come. And that was great. But what does that have to do with us today? What does that have to do for 2024? What can we learn from the wise men that can help us in the year that's ahead of us? The truth is we're going to have a lot of new plans that's going to be coming to this church in the next few months. We're going to be having town hall meetings and we're going to be looking over the next few weeks at some new directions that we are needing to go that we think are going to be very important for our future. What can we learn from the wise men that can help us in this very critical year that's out in front of us? <coughs> Sometimes we think this is just an old story that has been passed down for years to come. And sometimes we find ourselves getting tired of hearing it. But this story is important because the first thing that we can learn from this story is that people usually see what they're prepared to see. Back at least a decade ago... There was a person who was coming to our church who was someone that we really liked very much, and we really liked her son. We enjoyed being with them. She was a very good worker. She volunteered in the church, but they struggled financially every month. We had tried to help. We had helped them, honestly, several times, and, and the reason we did it is because we knew they needed the help, and, and we liked this person, and we wanted to try to invest in them, but then... This lady came up to me one Sunday and she asked me if we could give her $78 on her power bill. She had some money for the power bill, but she was $78 short. And so I sat down with her and I told her that we absolutely would help her. But I also told her something that it turns out she didn't want to hear. Just a couple of weeks before she came to us, we had spent some time with her trying to work out a workable budget for her, trying to come up with ways for her to be able to live on the money that she was taking in. One of the things that we both discovered during the course of all of that was that she was spending about $75 a month on cigarettes. So I told her that we were going to help her with the power bill, but I also offered to pay 
for a program to help her quit smoking because the money that she had spent on cigarettes that month was almost to the dollar what she was behind on her power bill. That actually hadn't occurred to this woman at all, and and she was shocked when we pointed that out to her. So she agreed that she needed to quit smoking. She agreed that it wasn't good for her. She agreed that it was a waste of money that she needed for other things. And so we paid the $78 to take care of her power bill, and the next Sunday morning she went and she joined another church in Christiansburg. This woman knew what she needed to do, but she wasn't willing to see what she needed to see. She was a very sweet, very kind person, but she just wasn't willing to see something that was important for her to see. In fact, it was easier for that woman to leave a church that had loved her, that had loved her child, and that had helped her over and over and over than it was for her to see what she didn't want to see. People usually see what they're prepared to see, and the wise men were prepared to see the future that had come to them. They recognized the birth of the Savior because they were prepared to see it. Back almost 50 years ago, we had a relative in our family who died unexpectedly. He, he was an individual who always went to work about 4 a.m. every morning so he could get stuff ready for all the other people that was going to be coming to work. Just for the record, if you ever see me at work at 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll know something bad has happened because that's not something I do. I'm not a morning person. He got up and he went to work every morning at 4 o'clock. But on that particular day, when his partner came to work at 7 o'clock, he found Uncle Walter in the floor. He had had a massive heart attack. He was only 55 years old. That would have been a tragic situation no matter what, but what made it worse was that they were totally unprepared for the situation that they were having to face. This, this wonderful man, one of the finest men that I ever knew, an individual who taught me things that I still remember until this day, he had very little money in his savings account and they had no life insurance at all, which meant that his wife was in a mess after he died. They were unprepared for the future that came to them. I hate to say this, but the world was unprepared for COVID-19, and certainly the church was unprepared for COVID-19. We never imagined a pandemic that was going to come like the one that came to us, and, and we had no idea that, that it was going to take the toll on institutions the way it took the toll on them, particularly on the church. If you had asked me before that pandemic came if we were going to, to lose the number of people that we lost in the course of the year and a half that we were dealing with that, I would have laughed in your face. I never imagined that we were going to find ourselves where we were. Neither did any other church. I have spent hours meeting with pastors over the last year trying to analyze exactly what occurred and, and how did we miss what was coming out of that the cold hard reality is there wasn't anybody who was in the ministry who had ever had to face a pandemic before. And so we didn't know what was going to come out of that. We were unprepared for what was coming. If you want to move to the future with confidence, you have to be prepared for the future that comes to you, which means we all need to be personally and spiritually prepared for tomorrow, whatever that tomorrow is going to be. 
the wise men had an epiphany when they were out there in that desert because they had prepared for the future when it arrived. The word epiphany comes from the Greek word epiphania, which means a striking manifestation or a striking appearance. If you translate that into modern-day English, it just basically means to see the light. That epiphany, that light came to those wise men. It was a vision from God that came to them. God was sending out a signal to the whole world that the Savior of the world was being born. But what's interesting is most of the world didn't recognize that signal because they weren't prepared to see that signal. That star was shining for every person on the earth. It was a gift to every person on the planet. But most of the world didn't see it. Most of the world paid no attention to it. Even the priests in Israel didn't see it and didn't pay any attention to it because they weren't ready for the future that came. We see what we're prepared to see. And that leads to a very important question. Have you ever wondered how many times we may have missed something very important from God because we weren't spiritually prepared to recognize what God was trying to show us? Have we ever wondered sometimes what God may have had that was very important for us to see, but we missed it because we weren't prepared for it? Back at least seven or eight years ago, somebody came to my office and they asked me a question. They said, what's the worst sin that anybody can commit? I have no idea exactly why they were asking that question, but my guess was that they had done something horrendous and they were at least hoping that there was at least one sinner in the church worse than them. I could tell that this person was wanting me to say something like adultery or fornication or murder or lying or cheating or stealing or all of the other words that come to mind when we start thinking about sin, but that's not at all what I said. What I said was the two worst sins that we can commit is to fail to admit that we need God and then to fail to live up to our God-given potential in our lives. To put that in a less preacherly way, the two worst sins we can commit is to not follow God and to waste our lives. If we refuse to admit that we need God in our lives, what that basically means is we're trying to play God ourselves. We're, we're trying to be our own God. I don't need anything but me. That's what we're saying. The wise men weren't Jews, but they knew by their studies that the Savior of the world was going to come through the Jews. And they knew that they needed a Savior. The wise men were magi. Once upon a time, the magi had been part of the royal family of Persia. But the Magi decided that they were going to try to overthrow the king of Persia. And they lost that fight by a long shot. And so the Magi ended up being the outcasts of Persia. They lived in the desert and they were fortune tellers and soothsayers. It was a long drop from being part of the royal family of, of the country. They were the rejects of society. Nobody wanted the Magi around. And these Magi wanted to be part of society. They wanted to be somebody again. And so they knew they needed a savior. When they saw that star, they set out to find that Savior. Those wise men knew that star was bringing potential to their lives that was never going to be realized until that Savior was part of their story. 
They needed God. They needed this epiphany. And so the wise men chose to invest in three things that brought that epiphany to their lives. The first thing they did was they admitted that they needed God for their lives to be complete. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. That was St. Augustine's way of saying that there's a God-shaped space in the hearts of all people that will never be filled unless God is part of us. If we want to see the light, we have to start by admitting that we need that light. John 1, 1 through 11, selected verses in, beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him, but to all who would receive him and believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. That passage of Scripture did not even exist <coughs> when the wise men saw that star shining in the sky but those men knew from their studies and from their preparation that the savior of the world would be born to them and they needed him they needed that savior the second thing that the wise men invested in when they saw that light was they invested in their own potential Buckner Fanning used to tell a story about a boy who was, whose dad was a chicken farmer. One day this boy was climbing on a mountain when he saw this eagle's nest that had three eggs in it. So he took one egg, took it back, and he put it under a setting hen at the farm. Sure enough, the eggs hatched, and there were five baby chickens and one baby eagle. The hen took care of the eagle just like she did the chicks, so the eagle grew up thinking it was a chicken. It lived with the chickens, it walked with the chickens, it ate with the chickens, it acted like a chicken, but it wasn't born to be a chicken, it was born to be an eagle. If you hang around with small-minded people, you're probably going to become small-minded. If you hang around with critical people, you're probably going to become critical. If you hang around with negative, immoral, foul-mouthed, grumpy people, you're probably going to be negative, immoral, foul-mouthed, and grumpy. Why? Because we're living with the chickens. God didn't create us for the chicken coop of life. God created us to soar in life. If we want our lives to be amazing, and if we want our church to be amazing, then we need to discover and invest in our potential. Back almost a decade ago, we launched into an outreach and disciple-making program called Catch. That ministry failed because it didn't have good leadership around it, but that ministry was based around three questions that I think are three of the most important questions that any church can ask. <clears throat> Those questions were, why do we need Jesus? Why do we need the church? And why do people need our church? Those three questions not only lead to salvation and spiritual growth, but they're the three questions that can bring out the best in our potential. If we want our lives to soar, and if we want our churches to soar, we not only have to find the answer to those questions, but we need to be committed to investing in the potential that those three questions can unleash for us. The wise men discovered their potential by discovering that star. But they didn't stop with just discovering that star. They didn't stop with just knowing what that star meant. The third thing those men did was they dedicated their potential to the pursuit of God's gift. 
If we want God's light to come to our lives, we need to give all that we have and all that we are to God. Why? Because God created us for a purpose. He created our church for a purpose. And that purpose is always going to be a good purpose because it was born in the mind of God himself. And if we want our lives to count for what's good, then we need to find our purpose and we need to dedicate it to to Jesus, to the one who was born in that manger. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What you need to notice about that verse is that the focus of that verse is not I. The focus is Christ. We can accomplish great things if we focus on Christ. The wise men focused on pursuing the Savior, and that pursuit led those men to invest their potential in the right thing for the right reasons. God's gift to us is Jesus Christ. Our gift to God is to let the power of God bring our potential to life in the most positive way that it can. God isn't just concerned with what we believe. He's concerned with what we can become. The wise men believed in the Savior and they followed his star. And when they did, that light filled those men with hope and with a new level of of potential. They had a reason to live and they were resolved to follow the light. They were resolved to let that light live in them and help them become something important. They were resolved to follow Jesus because they knew that light could change everything. Oh God, help us to be resolved in you today. Help us to focus our hearts, our minds, our lives on you. Help us to look for the light of the world and let that light shine to our hearts. But help us to also not just stop with believing in the light of heaven. Help us to want to follow that light, to let it guide us where you would have us go. Lord, you want to be the center of our existence. You want to fill our hearts with the light of heaven. You want us to be wiser than we have ever been. You want us to be more capable than we have ever been. You want to enliven the potential that lives within us to become something more. It starts with our believing in you, Lord, our believing in you enough to want to pursue you, to want to go and try to find what you would have us be. Come into our lives today, O Lord. Help us to be willing to say to you, Lord, I know that I need you in my life. You are the one that needs to fill this space in my heart that feels empty. Help me, O Lord to come to you and to say, Father, forgive me for trying to push you away. Come into my life and help me to be the person you would have me be. And then, Lord, help us to go out and become the church that you want us to be, the people that you want us to be. Help us to soar in your name. Come to us today, Lord. Help us to be resolved, to be the very best we can be in the year that's ahead so that we can be a reflection of the light that shines to all people. In your name we pray. Come today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Let us know. Let any deacon in the room know. Let any staff member know. 
and we'll be happy to get you started on the right road with that and be ready for the next steps of baptism and becoming part of the church. If you want to join our church and be on mission with us, let us know that, and we will be happy to help you with that as well. When we leave this place today, let's go and let's do the best we know how to follow the light. Let's believe that if we follow that light, it's going to make things better. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.